T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. I got some banana bread at work today, dude. Hell yeah. Sports Talk Saturday. But there's a lot of bad things in this world, dude. Like skunks, dude? Hell no. Scratching your eye, but it's still itchy, dude? Hell no. Like getting paid not a lot of money, dude, for working? Hell no. On WGR. But banana bread? Sports Radio 550. You got to love that open. Derek made that like on a whim one day when I was hosting or when I was uh, producing Sports Talk Saturday. And I just, I, I get, that gets you in the mood. That gets you in the mood. Josh, are you a big banana bread guy? Oh, huge banana bread guy. Got to love my, it. My mom makes homemade, homemade banana bread. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. All right, we're just going to get right to it. On the West Her Hotline, we talked about the Patriots in the last hour. This hour, I want to talk about the Jets. And joining me on the West Her Hotline, John Butchko of the Locked On Jets Podcast Network. You can find all those Locked On stuff on the Odyssey app, anywhere you find your podcast. John, thank you for joining me. Oh, it's great to be here. Now, first, I want to, I want to talk about it. For me, the Patriots, I think of... It, I don't want to say falling off a cliff, but it's just I don't see them necessarily as a modern NFL threat anymore. Where the Jets, I've had a, a completely different shift in my mind. I think the Jets, for me, have always been sort of a punchline, a joke. But I think with Joe Douglas, I love Robert Sala, and I like the potential in Zach Wilson. What exactly is the feeling right now with the Jets and where they're going, especially after these last two drafts and off seasons? Oh, I think there's a lot of optimism now. I'm not sure we're going to see the Jets challenge the Bills for the AFC East title this year. I think Buffalo is clearly the team to beat, and the Jets have a lot of young pieces. But for the first time in recent memory, the Jets are executing an actual rebuild. You know, in years past, they've been bad, but they haven't really been rebuilding. They've been very active, bringing in big names in free agency near the end of their careers, overspending on guys. This time with Joe Douglas as the general manager, you're seeing a different approach. You're seeing a more patient approach. They will have seven players on this roster this this, uh, coming season that were top 40 picks in either the 2021 draft or the 2022 draft. So there's been an influx of young talent on this team. And it's probably going to take some time for these guys to develop. So, again, I'm not expecting the Jets to challenge for the division this year. But there's definitely reason for optimism, which is the first time you can say that in quite a while for this franchise. Speaking of optimism, something I keep seeing, especially with the start of OTA, is Zach Wilson. A little thicker. Is is there anything else we should be looking at with Wilson? He had a tough rookie year. He, he dealt with some injuries, but how, how are we feeling about Zach Wilson going into year two, especially with some of the quarterbacks in his own division, Tua Tungvaluwa and Mac Jones, I think, in the same you know category? 
Is there a potential here that he solidifies himself as the second-best quarterback in the AFC East? Well, that's the hope. Uh, you know, as you said, it was kind of a difficult rookie year for Zach Wilson. I think the Jets, if they were being honest, would probably say that they maybe overestimated his readiness to start on day one. It was a struggle out of the gate, you know, coming out of a small school in BYU. I think as much as anything, what the Jets have tried to do is put pieces around Wilson because we've seen this in the past with the Jets. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying the reason Sam Darnold failed was, was that the Jets did not put good enough pieces around him, but I think it was a contributing factor. You know, putting the right pieces around the quarterback doesn't necessarily guarantee success, but failing to do so virtually guarantees failure. And I think if you look at what the Jets put around Wilson, I think that they're, they're, this is going to be a team that's going to try and be a run-first offense. They've added some quality pieces on the offensive line. Uh, in the three years Joe Douglas has been general manager, they should be able to run the ball effectively, and they have a very good running back duo, Brees Hall, who was drafted in the second round this year adding him to Michael Carter, who was drafted in the fourth round last year. And what on paper seems like a solid group of young receivers who can grow with Wilson, led by Elijah Moore, who was a second-round pick last year, and Garrett Wilson, who the Jets drafted 10th overall this year. And you have a veteran, Corey Davis. So there are quality pieces around Zach Wilson. And as much as the Jets want Zach Wilson to develop, which is critical, they're hoping that these pieces can kind of lighten his load and and maybe they won't have to ask him to do as quite as much this year. What's the offensive line situation right now for the Jets? I know Mackay Becton I was pretty high out, out of college, but it seems that reports it, it conditioning's a bit of an issue. I, I don't want to say work ethics. I don't think that's correct, but there's just there's always been this almost cloud over Mackay Becton, especially this offseason of the Jets aren't totally sold on him. What's all what's that all about? Yeah, so last year he suffered a knee injury in the first game of the season and the Jets kinda of hinted at the idea that he would be back after about the midway point of the year, and he ended up never playing again. So all sorts of questions about that. George Fant stepped in and did a good job at left tackle replacing Becton. So Robert Salas said that there's an open competition at left tackle. Now the thing is, between Fant and Becton, whoever's not the left tackle will be the right tackle. It's an open question right now. I think Becton, his rookie year, was actually pretty good in context. He was a guy who I thought would need more development when they drafted him out of Louisville. It was kind of a projection. But I actually thought he was further along than I expected his rookie year. He actually held his own against some uh, solid edge rushers. Um, the one thing I'll say for Becton, as much as you may question you know, the coaching staff's commitment to him, given the fact that they're putting the left tackle job up for grabs, they could have drafted another tackle to outright replace Becton in the lineup in the first round, and they chose not to. Now, of course, there were other considerations, but Becton has a starting job this year. So, it's a big year for him. You know, if he doesn't have a great year, if he fails to stay healthy, we may be looking at what the Jets' our options are in the offseason. Maybe they look to move on from him. But at this point, you're going to get another shot. Um, and as I said, when he's on the field, he's been good. He's, suffered a lot, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries through his career. And last year, he, you know, he played one game. So Jets are looking for him to stay on the field. And if he can, I still think he's got a shot to be a really good tackle. One that's personal for me, and again, John Butchko on the Wester Hotline, host of the Locked On Jets podcast, Denzel Mims. You mentioned the wide receiver, the young wide receiver room that Zach Wilson has. What happened to Denzel Mims? He seemed, when he came out of college, out of Baylor, he seemed to have a ton of potential. But last year, it seemed like every time you saw the Jets roster come out, either Mims was benched or you know fans were demanding more, and then the coaching staff didn't really like him. What's that situation like? Yeah, I don't know exactly what happened between him and the coaching staff, but it is just never meshed. And Heading into last season, I mean, I thought you could have, you know, heading in, uh, this time last year, I would have written Mims into the starting lineup in ink 
you know, not I wouldn't have penciled him, and I would have just written, I figured for sure he'd be a starter for this team. The question was whether he'd be the number one receiver or the number two receiver. And as it turned out, you know, whatever it was with the coaching staff, a new system. Now, he may not be as good of a fit for this system because Michael LaFleur, the offensive coordinator system, likes receivers who get quick separation. The Jets drafted Gims when Adam Gase was the coach, and Gase likes to have a vertical-type receiver. That's really more Mims's game, but it's difficult to say because even last year near the end of the season, Jets had a lot of injuries at receiver. They had, you know, Corey Davis was out, Elijah Moore was out, Jameson Crowder was out, a lot of guys out, and Jets were playing like practice squad guys, and Mims was still barely seeing the field. So, I mean, I don't know exactly what's going on with him, but at this point, I think given what you saw last year, given – the the coaching staff's use of him, I would be kind of surprised to see him play a big role in the, in the Jets going forward. Turning our attention to the defense a little bit, Sauce Gardner was a name a lot of Bills fans early in the draft season were were really high on, and they potentially wanted him to get, or they wanted the Bills to trade up to go get him. Of course, the Bills wind up with Kyrie Elam at the cornerback position, but I think right now we would imagine Sauce Gardner's most likely going to be Q, uh, CB1. Who is going to be his his partner? Who's going to be CB2 for the Jets? It's going to be DJ, uh, DJ Reed, who they signed in free agency from Seattle. Uh, Reed was actually a guy San Francisco drafted when Robert Sala was their defensive coordinator. And it's kind of interesting because with Sala in San Francisco, he mainly played the slot. He's kind of a smaller guy in the 5'9", five, 5'10 five, range. Went to Seattle and ended up developing into a really solid player, kind of an under-the-radar guy in Pete Carroll's defense. But I thought it was a really good value signing when the Jets got him. In fact, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be the – uh, the first corner on the team, but I guess at four overall, the Jets just felt the value in Gardner was too good. So, I mean, on paper, this looks like a really solid group of corners. And on the defensive line, of course, Carl Lawson, that was the big get for the Jets last season. He goes down with an injury. Was it in training camp, I believe, right? It was a joint training camp practice in Green Bay. They, the Jets and Packers had a couple of joint training camp practices before they played a preseason game. So with him now coming back, you've obviously got Jermaine Johnson out of Florida State. He joins this defensive line. Is this a year, because I'm a huge Quinn and Williams fan, I think he's fantastic. I love that the Bills got Ed Oliver, but I loved Quinn and Williams. Is this a year he becomes a household name in the NFL? Uh, you'd like to see it if you're a Jets fan. Uh, I think the Jets have a lot of good pieces on this defensive line. Yeah, we talked Carl Lawson and drafted they traded it for Jermaine Johnson. Guy who kind of flies under the radar, who the Jets just gave a big contract extension to last year, was John Franklin Myers, who was a waiver claim a couple of years back, developed into a really good player and can play both defensive end and defensive tackle. I mean, Robert Sala built his defense around the line. That's his first priority. And I think they built a lot of quality and a lot of depth there. Is Quinton Williams going to be a household name? I mean, I think he's probably not going to reach the stratospheric heights people projected him for. I mean, I'm not sure he's at that top level, but he's a very good player. And I think for a third overall pick, he's been very successful so far for the Jets. And I think maybe my favorite area that the Jets did this offseason, I'm not going to say I'm a tight end connoisseur by any means, but watching the Jets' tight end roster go from Death Valley to what it felt like at least a pretty sizable mountain. I mean, they added Tyler Conklin, Jeremy Rucker in the draft, and C.J. Azuma. I, like, that's got to give you a lot of confidence in what Joe Douglas is doing, right? Well, I think as much as anything, Michael LaFleur wants to play two tight ends a lot. Uh, you know, I think the Jets will be among the league leaders. Early last season, I mean, they had guys like Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin and Trayvon Lesko, and yet, yet they were still playing a lot of double tight end formations. And it was very confusing because they, if, you, if Michael LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, 
liked playing two tight ends so much, you wonder why they did, weren't more active last offseason. And they had maybe the worst group of, of tight ends in the NFL. Is this a great group of tight ends? I mean, it's not a great group of tight ends, but it's the type of group where now you can at least feel good when you put double tight end offense on the field. And I think as much as anything, just want to get the run game going. It's an outside zone-based scheme, so blocking at the tight end position is pretty important. Last question before I let you go, because I kind of want to put you on the spot just a little bit, because I've put myself on the spot a little bit. I project in the AFC East this year, barring any you know serious injuries, the Patriots are going to finish fourth. I think the Jets will finish third, the Dolphins second, and Bills, of course, first. Am I crazy for thinking the Jets... Now, of course, this is... I think Wilson takes a step. I'm not saying a massive step, but a step. Am I crazy for thinking the Jets can can beat out the Patriots, that the Patriots will finish fourth? Well, doesn't it say a lot about the last 10 years for the Jets that we're asking whether it's crazy to think that they might not finish last and they may finish in third place? But no, I think you're not expecting a playoff team this year, but you are expecting improvement. You're expecting young talent to hit, and they may not be at their peak yet, but you're expecting them to make to upgrade the, the team's performance. So, you know, I think it would be a big disappointment if the Jets finished fourth this year, and I think third is a reasonable expectation. John, thank you so much for joining us again on the Western Hotline. John Butchko of the Locked On Jet Podcast. Before I let you go, why don't you plug what you got coming up? I mean, you know, the offseason is somewhat wrapped up, but we're, we're now we're getting towards you know training camps, OTAs, and all that stuff. So, what do you got coming up? Yeah, uh, we'll be previewing the Jets on the Locked On Jets podcast. You know, as we head towards training camp, we'll do positional previews. We'll talk about uh, expectations for the season ahead. All right, John. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. You know, I I remember when Sam Darnold was picked by the Jets, and how stressed out I was because every national you know show I'd watch because Adam Gase had gotten hired, and they're like, "There it is, the Jets are back. That's their guy since Joe Namath and all that." And I was genuinely stressed out because I guess I'll out myself again. I was a big Sam Darnold guy when he was coming out of college. I I liked Josh Allen. I loved his story. But it was one of those, and I think I've made mention of this too. Um, five years ago, yeah, you could not have told me the Bills would have, you know, made one of the most raw quarterbacks and truly formed him into what he became. I was, I never thought that would happen because the Bills proved that they couldn't do that, and I didn't really know much about this like coaching staff in terms of what they could do because none of them had been head coaches before. Leslie Frazier had, but he was on the defense, so it didn't like that. Obviously, didn't matter to me. But man, I was so stressed out about the Jets with Sam Darnold, with Adam Gase, because you, all you heard was Adam Gase was this quarterback whisperer. I was a Sam Darnold fan coming out of college. And now you look back and you're just like, wow, that was such a bad decision to hire Adam Gase. And that's why I I pay attention to the Jets just because it's honestly kind of the same with the Detroit Lions. They've been such a punching bag to the rest of the NFL for so long. A part of you really wants to see them do well. So when they make, in in, in my opinion, smart decisions, I get excited a little bit. And Josh, I've told you this, you know, before we went on, you know, for the months we've worked together, I've told you this. I love rivalries and I want my teams to have rivalries. Now, the Bills right now seem to have a Kansas City one. Give me a divisional one, though, that like, you know, every time the, you know that divisional game is played, it's Sunday night football or it's Monday night football. I don't think it's going to happen with the Dolphins. I don't. Tua and Josh Allen does not scream primetime football. It just doesn't. Not to me. And I don't really think to most Bills fans, and I don't really think to the NFL either. They tried the Patriots. They liked the weather game, apparently, from what I've heard. They're going to play, I believe, on Thursday night football this year, the Patriots and, and the Bills, and then it'll be in Gillette Stadium. 
But that's going to, I think, die out because I think the Patriots won't be very good. And once Bill Belichick eventually does retire, there's not really any of that lasting animosity. I, I, Bills fans will always kind of hate them, especially our generation, because as I pointed out, they ruined my childhood. There will always be that animosity. But I want a team, and I think that's why I think Zach Wilson, with his physical talent, could offer that mirror image to the Bills where, ooh, they've got this you know raw, kind of wild stallion quarterback, and if it goes well... You know, he they they would have become their perfect racing horse that they can go win, you know, division titles, championships, whatever with. And don't get me wrong, I want the Bills to lose none of those games. I want it to be a rivalry that you look back in ten years and you're going, Man, the Jets really missed their shot there. That's what I want. I just want it to be competitive. I just want it to be fun. I genuinely enjoyed the division race this year. I know a lot of fans didn't because it was stressful. I loved every second of it. I a lot of people, I think, and I somewhat do as well this year, I think the Bills could run away with the division. I think it could be near wrapped up around Thanksgiving. Will I love that? Yes, because at this point now I pay attention far more to the playoffs. That's what I'm waiting to get to. I'll, I'm going to watch the regular season. I'm going to dive into that. Just get me to the playoffs. That's all I care about now. I want to get to the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, and then once that's happened, we can, it'll all come full circle. But until that happens, I, the playoffs. But if you can give me a division rival that I can genuinely sit there and go, I hate everything about you, and it makes it easy because they're in New York. It makes it easy. I don't like the Yankees, the Knicks. They're not New York. Sorry. It's the New York Jets. It's the New Jersey Jets. I know. They play in New Jersey. It, it works so much better. NJJ. The New York Giants, or New Jersey Giants. I mean, sure, it's not a yeah, J. It would but be great. Like, it, but sound, like, it sounds bad when you say it out like it does. that. Fine, they they can stay in New York, but but they're considered a New York team, New York City team. Fine, I don't like the Yankees, can't stand the Brooklyn Nets. The Knicks make me mad. The Mets are fine, but they're they're go- they're going to break Howard's heart. I know they're, that's they're cursed. Happen. They're cursed. They're cursed. It's fine. Daryl Strawberry though, that was a fun time. Daryl Strawberry and Doc Gooden was a good time. Bobby Bonilla, huh? Bobby Bonilla, greatest contract in sports history. That's just it's that's a fact. But could he rival Parise and Suter going back to way earlier? Oh man, I. Mm. Parise and Suter, they like, but the thing is, that was made just so the Minnesota Wild would stay relevant. That's fair, but they're going to get paid. Bobby Bonilla was just a terrible decision by yeah. all parties involved, except Bonilla. <laughs> His agent sat there and went, "I literally cannot believe I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do this." They should make a documentary about it because I guarantee you can you can get Scorsese on that because there will be a scene where they're sitting there, rain pouring down, going, "Are we really going to do this?" And he's like, "We're going to do this. It's going to happen." And then they make a movie about Bobby Bonilla's deal, but. I don't like New York teams. I don't. Josh, I don't think we've had this conversation. I hate Boston teams. I actively root against most New York teams. I don't like them. I like to see them fail. I like to see their fans squirm. It's just, it's fun for me. I saw the 30 for 30 on uh, also coincidentally called Winning Time, but it was about the Indiana Pacers and their rivalry with the New York Knicks. Loved watching Reggie Miller break their hearts. I enjoy it far too much. See, I I don't have an issue with New York New York Yankee yeah. fans. I have an issue with New York City New York Yankee fans. Yes, because they very act, specifically. Yes, they act like the Yankees are baseball. They are baseball, and no, they're not. They're baseball has tried to make them baseball, though. Yeah, I mean, sure, maybe back in the day. I mean, sure, yeah. you have so many greats. You could just sit here and name off how many people. But look at the people you have on your team now, and. You're not winning every game with Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Anthony They kind Rizzo. of are now, though. I will well, be honest. They, they kind of are. I, I want to talk smack, but I, what are they, 33-17? and 17? Yeah. That's vile. That, that, that's fair. But, like, in years past with these guys, they're buying the league. I mean, Garrett Cole is getting paid more than some countries in the world are worth. The money thrown around in baseball is a lot of fun, though. It's crazy. This, and this is coming from an Angels fan that, you know, Mike Trout is obviously the face of the franchise. Right. 
the amount of money being thrown around in baseball is a blast. And I also enjoy the, it. the 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 contract years. Like I, I, it, Tatis Jr. is in is locked into San Diego for fourteen years. Well, hockey and baseball have decided that you know there's limits. By the time your contract ends, it should be able to drive. And I hate that. Well, no. I, I, with, with with hockey, it's limited. It was it, now. Well, yeah. Back back when <laughs> it is now, they, they limited it because of Sidney Crosby, pretty much because Crosby is still on his original deal when he got drafted. This man missed out on millions of dollars because the Penguins were like, "Hey, buddy, you want to sign a thirty-year contract?" He better have fired and they're his like, agent. "Sure." He better have fired his agent. He's getting paid eight point seven million dollars per year. Funny, eighty-seven. But he did that on purpose. He his did agent do that on should purpose. be fired. He did do that on purpose. He also his number eighty-seven for a reason. I believe it's his birthday. Is like August seventh or something whatever. like that. But whatever. But we are going to have that number conversation now. Now that you've brought it up, I have to get your opinion. That's going to be in the next segment. But continue. Sorry. But no, I just wanted to wrap up by saying that's why the NHL has you know like you can't do more than what like an eight-year contract or something. Or yeah. Maybe it's like nine. Which now Skinner got nine. Ultimately, when everyone when anyone ever signs an eight year contract, that really is code for we really wanted to sign him to thirteen years, but we only could go to eight. <laughs> right? Yeah. I, I mean, like because the NHL is run like it's in the seventies. I just no one knows how to adapt. I just think what could Crosby have been paid? Say he gets a four year bridge extension and then too much. Oh my god! That's my answer. It, he too much to where even Pittsburgh Penguins fans would go. Well, that's a little rich for my blood. The Penguins would I I think if he would have gotten what he earned, what he deserved, mm-hmm. the Penguins would have not won the cup two years in I a row would because agree. they wouldn't have they had would the, not have money. They, they wouldn't have had the money to get the pieces they needed. I fully they couldn't agree. have kept Malkin. Flurry probably would have left earlier. Yeah. You're and 100% right. Like that's it's but probably the, a good thing. I was going to say it's kind of the curse though of having a great superstar. Right. Baseball you can kind of get around it just because if you're willing to spend money Go ahead. Even, even in football, really, because the salary cap in football, while it's there, is really—it's always rising. It's, it's always really rising. High. Yeah. With hockey, it's—I mean—it's rising now with after the ESPN yeah. deal and everything. But before that, it—I mean—it is minute compared to other yeah. sports. All right, we're gonna break uh, technically, I guess, early for how we've done today. But we are gonna break here because when we come back, Josh, I gotta get your opinion. I'm just gonna hit it with you, and then if you, if you want to uh, tweet and call us anything like that, because this is this is my opinion. 19 is the worst number for a quarterback to wear. We're going to talk about that when we come back. We're going to wrap up the show a little bit. We're also going to talk, me and Josh are going to see a movie that I'm very excited about. Our own Brayson Wilson's excited about it. We're going to hint at that a little bit here when we come back on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. like I said a few, it was probably a month or so ago, the, the names on the paper don't win games. That's just the way it is. So it's a commitment level. It's, it's willing to and dedicating uh, themselves to not being distracted by things that try and distract you during the year. And that's the way it's got to be. So I've never been around a team that you know, won games just because of the, the, you know, they were supposed to win games or because of they were on paper the better team. That's not the way this, this league works. That's why it's a league of close games. It's Bills head coach Sean McDermott from OTAs earlier this week. I believe they were available to the media on Tuesday, I want to say. Welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday, the final half hour before I go on a long three-day vacation. I'm very excited. I'm saying three-day. I worked on Saturday. But Sunday and Monday I have off. I'm very excited. Josh, you don't. Uh, I don't even have tomorrow. I work tomorrow and Monday. I want to say I feel bad, but but well, I mean Monday. I don't. Monday's only a few hours, so it's not yeah, that bad. That's fine. But you have a score update for us, correct? For the World Championships, I do. So this has. It looks like Paul's just watching the game and live tweeting the score. So good on Paul. Five um, one Canada is the current score. Pasternak missed the net on a penalty shot. Missed the net, not just missed. Like didn't score, missed the net. It sounds like that's how Paul worked. That, take, that takes a lot of effort. That that especially for David Pasternak. That takes. I've way overthought this. As I shot it, I realized this was a bad idea, and it just goes wide. Dylan Cousins is having himself a two point game. Has an assist on Matt Barzell's power play goal, which made it four one. Um, Adam Lowry scored, making it two one. Kent Johnson, um, prospect for. Oh man. I, I can see the, the I can see the gears turning in your head too. You're like he I know played who it is, at but Michigan. Oh, man, I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, and then Cole Sillinger, Columbus Blue Jackets prospect. Man, Ken Johnson, why can't I remember where he is? i I, I got to look it yeah, up. Yeah, look it up. That's fine. Because uh, I want to start talking about numbers and how if you pick the wrong one, you look bad. I put up a poll yesterday. Is the number 19 the worst number for a quarterback? I gave you a choice. Yes and no. There was a correct answer, everybody. It was Yes. And I'm upset with how close it was. And I'm saying it was close. The The final tally was yes, 58%, no, 42%. That should have been 99% to the 1-1% because the guy played quarterback and wore number 19 in high school. That should have been the guy, Josh. That should have been the guy. Now, you told me when we went in a break, you voted in the poll. Don't do this to me. What did you vote? First, I have to tell you, I'm... I'm I, I did not see this coming. Kent Johnson is also a Blue Jackets prospect. Really? So, okay. good for them. I did vote in the poll. Can you guess what I voted? I'm I'm worried that it's no. It is in fact no. Why? Have you seen quarterbacks with '90s jerseys like now, in the '90s? Yes, I I kind of know what quarterback you're gonna be talking about, right? This guy from Michigan, yeah, uh, Devon Gardner. I, I have no idea who he is, but he wore number like '98. I will tell you the reason why he wore number '98. I believe was a very specific reason, so I've excluded that one. That's because I think people are somewhat right. That looks terrible. But I think it was for a specific reason. I'm talking numbers 1 through 19, because quarterbacks really don't wear 20 anymore. 1 through 19, it is a it is an easy answer. It's 19. 
I've seen some people put six up there. Incorrect. You are giving blasphemous opinions on playoff Mark Sanchez. That was a good time. Mark Sanchez in the playoffs made number six look good. Baker Mayfield also made six look pretty good. You, now, here's the thing. You can't be a six-foot-tall or six-foot-four tall quarterback. You have to be like six-foot stocky kind of guy to make that look good. Yeah, I feel like the taller you are, the higher your number has to has be. Has to be. Because it looks you, you weird can't, you on can't your body. Be, like, here, Russell Wilson, 5'11". Cannot wear 17. Got, I got one for you. Number two. You, I, you I have look to be at somewhat that. skinny. You I, have to no, be no, no, no. I guy. look at that and I think of a kicker. I think of oh, I think of Nathan Peterman. Well, that's not a good time. No, I, th- I, I when I see one through three, I think of either kickers or I, no. I can't. I, two looks good. Two, I why one through four looks fantastic. I will tell you the other number I don't like five. I don't like five. Why? I don't. It, it's very boxy to me. It makes you look a little like big. I don't like it. I don't like five at all. Four, four to me looks random. See, I like four because Brett Favre made the game look fun. Oh, that's fair. I forgot Brett Favre. And, yeah. I've, and I've always got like a really good appreciation for Derek Carr, so I'm like, you know what? Four's fine. What about number nine? See, and this is where I want to take this conversation. Nine, I think, is a weird-looking number on a jersey. I don't think it looks right. I don't really like nine in any sport. Like, 19, I can deal with in, in like hockey. Peyton Krebs wears number 19. I'm kind of fine with it. Isaiah McKenzie wears number 19 on the Bills. He used to wear number 19. Or, now it's Matt Areza. Yeah. Oh, oh God. that's right. Yeah. So wow, yeah, I forgot 19 I'm fine with for the most part. I don't like it on quarterbacks. Nine, I don't really like anywhere. It just, to me, it looks wrong. And then when you add that one and a nine, it looks like you shouldn't have made the team. And this is where I don't like that Joe Montana wore it at Kansas City. When he, would, he went to Kansas City from San Francisco, he inverted the number because he wore 16. And, you know, got to make up a reason why you got to hate your team, which is fine. Whatever. I mean, if Michael Jordan you know, went to a therapist, he would have averaged three points a game. That's all I learned from the last dance documentary. That's all I learned, is that if he just would talk to somebody about his problems, he would have averaged three points a game. But a lot of people put out Johnny Unitas, the original GOAT quarterback from the 50s and 60s. I know a little bit about Johnny Unitas, played for the Baltimore Colts. Ultimately doesn't even play in Super Bowl three, the game that was, you know, I guarantee you a win by Joe Namath. Look, I'm going to say this right now. I don't care what his stats looked like. Because his stats were great for the time. He was awesome. And honestly, some of his stats look good in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. They look great. It looked bad. He wore all black shoes in 19 and had a weird throwing motion. Johnny Unitas was the least aesthetically looking quarterback ever. Nothing he did looked good. But his stats look good. But that's not going to change my opinion on the number. I said this on air. If Josh Allen wore number 19, we should have traded him. If Josh Allen came out and said, I'm changing my number to 19, I'd, I, I would lead the charge to trade him. It's a bad decision. That shows me there's something going on that's not right. Something is wrong, and it's not good. I'd like to read some other numbers for you here. I'll give you my opinion on him. Go. No, 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 no. Not those numbers. Okay. Johnny Unitas, 10-time Pro Bowler, 5-time First Team All-Pro, 3-time. Uh, yep. like, what do you... Johnny Nice was awesome in his era. But, he was awesome. So, what is your issue? It looks fine. His number does not change. It much. looks fine. He was a great quarterback. His number was terrible. It looks... Okay, and I also have to wonder, is this... So, it's just quarterbacks. It's not every just number 19. No, like, I think 19 looks great on wide receivers. And and even in other sports, too. You don't have problems. Peyton Krebs looks fine in 19. It's okay. quarterback. So, it I was going to say, wrong. there's a lot of very, very good yeah. athletes that have worn yeah. number 19. And it looks bad on quarterbacks. All of them. Every single one. 
Joe Flacco is wearing number 19 right now for the Jets. It looks bad. Okay. I watched that, him play a game, and I almost threw up watching number 19 Joe Flacco throw a football. See, now I feel like it depends on the quarterback. Nope. All of them. No? The same. Okay. The same. All right. All well, because, like, I mean, looking at Joe Montana and Johnny Unitas, I don't have an issue with it. But thinking of Joe Flacco in a number 19, like, black Jets jersey, I hate it. It's bad. So, I'm going to look up other quarterbacks in number 19. I, I guess part of me wonders, like, does it depend on the person? Not because you don't like the person, but because they just don't look good in that number. See, I don't. But like, that's the thing is, I don't think you can look good wearing number nineteen. You just can't. If you're if you're a quarterback throwing the football, I can't imagine you throwing a beautiful pass. Like, I think Dak Prescott has one of the best deep ball passes. If he wore number nineteen, it would look bad. It would look bad. I would look. I'm not watching your highlights. I'm not going to do it. He and he wore it on the second team he went to when he retired. He went to the San Diego Chargers and he still wore number nineteen. I just you can't sell me on this number. If if I was going to play football. Bernie Kosar wore number 19. Oh, that's terrible. See, no, I am learning something. Every one of these quarterbacks had a weird throwing motion. I'm not going to count Joe Montana. He had to change to 19. Bernie Kosar and Johnny Knights had terrible fundamentals when they were going to throw football. That That's the connecting part right there. That's it. I found it. You can't, No one's going to convince me 19 is not the worst quarterback number. They're not going to do it. I like six. Eight's fine, but I will tell you Sam Bradford almost ended that for me. Because I've never seen someone look more in pain throwing a football in my life, even when he was healthy, than Sam Bradford wearing he was wearing number eight for the same at the time, St. Louis Rams. I, no one's gonna convince me. It's a bad looking quarterback number. Okay, what is your best quarterback number? Twelve. Twelve. Easy. Twelve. Easy twelve. Twelve is clean. It's double digits. Is it because of Tom Brady? No. Has he have does he have any Tom Brady is not even affected it for me. And I would have imagined he would have affected it where I hate the number. Nope. That's fair. But you have some all-time greats wearing that number. Tom Brady, obviously. Jim Kelly. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. I think Andrew Luck made that look good as well. Terry Bradshaw. Terry Joe Bradshaw. Namath. Roger Staubach. Joe Namath, I have my own opinions on. Overrated. Overrated. Cannot stand Joe Namath. Overrated. He didn't even play well in the Super Bowl that he guaranteed. The running back won the, the MVP of the Super Bowl. But I, I, he did give credence to the AFL at the time, so I'll give him that. Ken Stabler for the Raiders back in the 70s and 80s wore number 12. Every Great quarterbacks wear number 12. The rest of the numbers, they all got to earn that great quarterback status. Like Josh Allen wears number 17. You know who he had to compete with? Phillip Rivers. Already better than him. Already. 13. You're going to have a little tough time. You got Dan Marino and Kurt Warner. That's tough. That's a, you got to climb up to that. If you wear 12, you kind of got to be awesome. If you wear 12, you have to be the second coming of Tom Brady. You have to be that dude. You have to be. You have to be his kid, pretty have much. Have you noticed not a lot of rookie quarterbacks are coming out wearing 12, by the way? I it's just, don't it's a, think any It's of a them. stressful number to wear. You know one that's weird to me is 10. And I, you know, 10, I think I'm, of that 10 I'm iffy on. It, it, like, again, I think it depends on the player. Yeah. If, if Like you said, if you're smaller, you wear a lower jersey. You wear, you wear a lower number on your jersey. You wear six. Like with Baker Mayfield, he's a short, stocky guy. He wears six. Russell Wilson wears three. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. But hey, I like I said, I still look at three, two, and one and think of kicker. What what number is Tyler Bass? Two. That's fair. Two. Yeah. Okay. So okay. I I don't know. I just I can't think seven. of it any other way. Seven is my second favorite. I will tell you that. I mm-hmm. love seven. Okay. Yeah, I can see seven. That's an okay number. Seven's good. John Elway, Ben Roethlisberger. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Dan Pastorini for everyone in the seventies. That was pretty fun. I like seven. Seven's good. 
12, 12 to me is the, is the pinnacle. That's If you were 12, you better be a Hall of Famer, or I'm cutting you. You're not going to be on my football team. One other question. What is your – do you have a favorite number, or like what would you wear on your jersey if you were any type of athlete? If I was, uh, if, well, not to say because you were an athlete, but, but I didn't have numbers. In swimming, no, you don't right. wear numbers. I didn't wear numbers. Um, see, it's, that's the thing. Different sport, I'm wearing a different number. Fair. Hockey, I'm in the 90s. Absolutely, I'm in the 90s. Hmm. No okay. doubt. Also, because I'm not playing defense. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to do that. I'm not going to play defense. I'm going to be a winger or center if I had that kind of athleticism. I'm not going to try to wear 99. Well, you can't. It's illegal. Well, it's- in the NHL, it's illegal. <laughs> like, but I'm not going to even try that. I truthfully don't even want to wear 97. I'm going to meet him halfway, 98. Okay. Connor Bedard wears number 98. He's prospect coming out in like two years? Next year. Next year. 98 looks clean. I like that. 95 looks really good. 94 looks good. 90 looks not great. I don't like, I don't like 90. 92. 92 looks good. Um, basketball? Zero. 24. Um, not a ton of single digits. Like I think zero and two would be the only numbers I'd wear in the single digits for basketball. Football, I'm wearing 12 or 7. You got to be that guy. I'm being, I'm being a quarterback. You got to be not, that guy. Yeah, I'm going to be a quarterback. I'm not. <laughs> you're going to tell me to run as a wide receiver? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to run routes and get hit over the middle of the field. It's not going to happen. Um, baseball, baseball is interesting because baseball, especially, doesn't feel like there's like a distinct number for each like position. Like with football, even basketball, there is sort of like that stigma of like don't wear this number if you're that position. See, the only thing I think in baseball is catchers. Catchers are usually like like single digits. Yeah, they're single digits. Pitchers just wear whatever was available because yeah. there's so many yeah. of them. They just kind of hand out. Numbers. I mean, Hunjin Ryu is 99. Yeah, they just hand out whatever and just and just let you go. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I, my brother wore 27 for years. He he played travel baseball. He had 27 for years. That always looked pretty good. See, for me with baseball, I went between 15 and 23. That's pretty good. Can't explain why. I loved 15, though. 20, 23 is always a clean look. Oh, yeah. Always. Oh, yeah. If a running back's wearing 23, love it. Cornerback, same thing. Basketball player, love it. Love every, 23. Every other sport that I've been able to, I wear 47. As whoever follows me knows, everything in my whatever handles is 47. I like it because it's different. It's very different, and it's just random. It came to me one day when I was like 12, and I was like, that's a cool number. I like that. That's good. I like it. And I, I like I, it. I wore it in soccer, wore it in, ho- wore it in hockey. And, I mean, I don't know if I'd wear it in football. It'd look kind of weird, yeah. I feel like. But hey. I mean, if you're a, li- a linebacker, that'd be pretty good. That'd be fine. Me, a linebacker? Well, I don't know. Get into a diet program when you were younger. I don't know. I don't know, okay? <laughs> you, you got the good size. You just need to bulk up. Now, you did have a question for me in the break about double zero. Yeah. See, double zero is so... I have opinions on that it's number. It's so random to me because you don't see it that often. Marty Biron wore number double zero. Yeah, I don't. On accident, I honestly don't. I'm know assuming who else it's on did. accident. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know who else wore double zero, but I. It's such an interesting concept because you never see it, but then it comes out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, there it is. Like, I have an interesting history with double zero and zero because mathematically they're not numbers. Obviously, the zero was nothing. But zero on a basketball player is a clean look. Double zero, terrible. It's not a good look. And it, and it feels like, oh, man, we got to throw you in. And, they, oh, no, everything's collapsing. Here, just take this jersey and just go out there and just don't screw everything up. I don't like double zero. Zero on a basketball player looks really good. Double zero does not. We ran a little late. We're going to come back, though, and me and Josh, 
We're going to see Top Gun Maverick once the show ends. We're going to talk a little bit about that when we come back here as we wrap up the show on WGR. I'm, it's been 36 years since the first movie, so like this does feel like a sequel that I would not be excited to see, but the reviews coming out about Top Gun Maverick do have me very excited. And, of course, our own colleague, Brayden Wilson. If Brayden's excited, yeah. I'm excited. I'm Yeah, I'm very excited. He he was excited for me yesterday when I was leaving to work. He goes, hey, enjoy yourself. And I'm like, okay, you clearly loved the movie. But, yeah, so we're, we're, we're going to literally check out of here and go see Top Gun Maverick. But before we leave... I want to thank Sneaky Joe DiBiase. He came on uh, earlier today at 1130. And John Butchko of the Locked On Jets podcast. I want to thank both of those two for coming on. If you missed any of that, you can find that on our Odyssey app or on our on-demand audio. Those will all be there. Um, GR, we're off on Monday, thanks to Memorial Day. So all your local shows, that includes Howard and Jeremy, Shelton Bulldog, One Bills Live, and Instigators. They will be back on Tuesday. But on Monday, everyone, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the great weather. I think it's supposed to be like 84 and sunny. That should be awesome. Josh, thank you so much for coming in to produce. I know I'm typically over there, and you're typically off. So, you know, thank you so much for coming in. But thank you, everyone, for listening. Have a great weekend. This was Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.